All right, hey everybody, it's Luke, and uh, we've been talking a little bit about the challenges training for Boston. So, first part of this, first part we talked about timing, more specifically about training starts. You know, probably the worst time of year for a lot of people, right around the holidays for for whatever reason. Um, but in general, it's just a very busy time of year, very stressful time of year for a lot of people, and uh, I 100% get that. And uh, if you want to check that out, go see. Uh, Go see part one. We'll have links for it uh, in the in the blog or in the show notes or video wherever you're uh, wherever you're taking us in. But uh, today I want to expand um, once into uh, when people really start training, right? So what is the biggest factor? And to me, that is the winter months, right? So um, you know, I have a lot of people. I have a lot of people all over the country. So the people, my people in Texas and Florida, they're loving it, right? Like for training for Boston, for them is pretty ideal. Um, but for you're anywhere where it's cold and snowy and all that good stuff, uh, it is a it's a tough stretch. It's a tough it's a tough time of year to be training for uh, one of the biggest races in the world, right? And so, like where I'm at in Metro Detroit, winters aren't aren't too bad through the end of December. Like you can get through Christmas, the first of the year, and it's usually pretty decent. There might be a little bit of snow, but it's nothing bad. Um, but once, really once the holidays are over and once the new year rolls around, like from like the first part of January through at least the end of February, it sucks, it sucks here. <laughs> There's no way to put it, right? So we might not get a ton of snow, but it is so cold, it is so windy, um, it's just footing is usually very, very bad because whatever snow we do get uh, between the wind and everything, like once it's there, it's there. It just doesn't, it won't go until it's warm enough to, to melt, right? And so you, you're, you're very limited on where you can run and it's just, it's just tough, right? So, but the flip side of that, like where, where I grew up, uh, more in the Grand Rapids area on the west side of the state. I was telling, I was telling somebody this the other day, like, you know, it's very, it's two different winters for sure, right? So like here in Metro Detroit, don't get a ton of snow, but it's very cold and windy. You go over to the west side of the state and you get that lake effect snow coming off of Lake Michigan. You know, like everybody in Buffalo, you guys all know what I'm talking about. Like it's, you're talking about inches per hour as, as much as it snows, right? It's just, it is brutal. Like I was telling them like, it's not a problem for us to get over 10 feet of snow a year, easy. Um, and it's just a big difference between just a short, just a two hour drive away. And it's such a big difference in what, what your winters would, what your winters would look like. But the bottom line is that, you know, it's cold, it's dark, it's windy, tend to have poor footing, wearing a bunch of layers, um, cold affects performance in a number of ways, right? Just, you know, wearing extra clothes, your range of motion's restricted, um, your, your sweat's trapped in more, uh, you're running the risk of, uh, of cold uh, hypothermia stuff like I mean it's just it's bad right um, and training and it can seem like you're going backwards and knowing our true fitness levels is pretty difficult sometimes and that's that's the bottom line there but if you're so if you're in a warmer climate uh, just know that we're very jealous of you you probably don't need to listen to this much further um, you know unless you're running you know pitch black or whatever but for most you know if you're 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 somewhere where it's above freezing uh, in the morning, uh, you probably probably don't need to listen to this one. Um, so, for those who deal with this kind of weather, though, I probably I don't really need to explain the challenges it provides us, right? You know, any if you've ever tried to run, 
uh, you know what it's like in the winter. Um, the biggest thing I can do is just offer some guidance on how to approach this and how to navigate it. And so when it comes to winter running and how to navigate it, you know exactly what I'm going to be, what is going to be said, and I can hear it now. That No way, man. I'm, not, I'm a bro. I don't do treadmills. I'm a macho man, you know, whatever. What, whatever. I don't, I don't understand it, but whatever. Um, trying to tell me it's not real running, but you know, I'm talking about the treadmill, right? So, but, so if you're, if you're in that bro camp and that you are just going to tough it out, I'll just remind you something that my daddy taught me a long time ago. And that was, is a very thin line between being tough and being stupid. <laughs> I know I cross that line a lot. <laughs> So, but it's, it is like, and I, and, and I just, I, I get it. Whatever you want to do, that's fine. But like, don't bash on people. Like, well, it's, it, it's real running. Okay. Um, and honestly too, like if a person's doing a base plan and they're doing 30, 60 minute runs a few times a week, then go outside, do whatever you got to do. But there's a, to me, there is an awful big difference between getting, just getting your daily exercise and training for a marathon, right? The difference between somebody who is you know yelling at you about toughness and they're doing 15 miles a week and yet you're trying to do 60 miles a week and put these intense workouts in it's two completely different scenarios right and so and I 100% I, I would rather run outside as well and I'm, I'm definitely in the camp of if I can I will but over the years I've seen so many of my athletes and myself develop issues with their feet their Achilles hips knees calves just trying to do everything. I mean, everything on, on, on poor footing, um, stride changes, like when it's dark out and you're not sure if it's black ice under there or, or what's going on. And I've seen a lot of needless injuries happen and just develop chronic things that just stick around the whole winter and they're not they're not ready to go in the spring. And it's, it's, it's a situation we can avoid and I'm 100% convinced that it's just doing everything outside. Right. And I'm, and I'm telling you, I want you to pick up on what I'm saying, like everything you're doing, like if you're doing some things outside, fine. Everything outside in really poor weather is probably a recipe for something to go wrong. Right. OK. So with that balance time outside and inside. Right. So invest ten dollars a month. Join a Planet Fitness. No, I'm not affiliated with Planet Fitness, but it's ten bucks. Ten bucks a month. I did it for my wife and I last year. We go to the same gym. Ten bucks a month whatever, you know, and, we, and you can use all the equipment you want. Commit to doing at least your easy runs on poor footing days in the, on the treadmill, right? So if it's really poor footing and, you know, you say, oh, I can only, all I can do is muster, I can maybe suffer through 60 minutes of running on the treadmill. Perfect. Go to the treadmill, suffer on it for 60 minutes, be bored out of your mind, but be healthy, okay? Um, even if you need even if you only, so even if you only need, oh, and here's the other thing too. Once you're done with that 60 minutes, go take 20 minutes and do some lifting. All right. You're right there. Go do it. Um, so even if you only need it for say January and February, you spent 20 bucks. Like, I don't think they have any, I don't think you have to sign up for the same amount of time or anything like that. You spent 20 bucks. If you didn't use it, you're out 20 bucks. Right. And you say to yourself once a week, say to yourself, okay, so if you use it once a week for two months, that's $2.50 a run. You just gave yourself a body break. So I feel like that's a pretty good return on investment just to give yourself a break at least once a week, right? Like just don't have to suffer through every single run on poor footing, right? Um, the biggest thing I can do uh, that I want to do by encouraging you to keep an open mind about the treadmill is more about just giving your body a break from the constant poor footing on the sidewalk and streets. 
Secondly, every once in a while, it's not a bad idea to use a checkpoint with something like a harder long run or a temple run that just so that you can just build your confidence, right? So if you go and you do every long run and you're just slogging through and it's, you know, the same run is 15 minutes slower than what you were doing in the fall and you're saying, oh my gosh, my fitness is gone. Well, is it gone or is it just because of the conditions now? You know, the situation is, is completely different. So doing, say, a long run on a treadmill every once in a while or we figure out how to do a temple run on a treadmill, um, we can get a much better idea of how fit you actually how fit you actually are. And so then we can adjust based on temperatures and recognize that if I'm wearing five pounds of clothes, that my performance will probably be affected every once in a while. It's nice to not have to worry about all that stuff. That's, that's the main point I wanna make. It's just nice to have a break once in a while. All right, so the biggest complaint I get with doing runs on the treadmill is I can't just, I can't run fast on a treadmill. I get bored, I get dizzy, vertigo, whatever. I want to discuss, and I want to discuss about running fast in a second because it is, it's a very valid concern, but quickly address the last two. So getting bored does suck. It absolutely gets bored. Podcast music only takes you so far, only do, does so much for you. I see it as an opportunity to get attentive with yourself. When you look at the fastest runners in the world, they're not concerned with what's going on around them, right? They're concerned about what's going on inside. And by that, I mean, like they're going through a mental checklist of how is my form? How is my breathing? Yes, this hurts. Accept it. Move on, right? If you can do that and be focused on the internal rather than just what's going around you to keep your, your brain occupied, you can become a much, much better runner. Um, I actually do my best thinking on the treadmill. I have incredible ideas on the treadmill. My biggest problem is though, I just never bring anything to write them down. Like I, I think you can with that Apple Watch, right? Like you can take that, you could do a voice memo or something, right? But I don't run with that. So I need I need something where I have um, better mental acuity to remember what I wrote down or have something with me to write it down. But but honestly, being bored is a great opportunity to develop focus and mental toughness. It's a great opportunity to learn how to zone out, get into a rhythm, save mental energy for when you're really going to need it. Because how many times I see people waste so much mental energy in the first 20 miles of a, of a marathon only to be completely mentally exhausted where they cannot bear down and focus on what they are doing. And the reason, you know, one of the part, I would say, obviously there's physi physiological stuff going on there too, but I would say a lot of people just don't have the mental strength left by the time they get where it's really hard to bear down and focus, or they're trying to disassociate themselves from the discomfort and all of a sudden it is very discomfort uncomfortable and they don't know how to handle it <clears throat> if you know how to handle it and you've done that in training it makes it much more reasonable for you to dial in that focus onto when when you're really going to need it right and i always tell this when i'm talking about executing a race plan it's like you've got to know that your mental energy is like a gas tank and if you're spending all of that mental energy in the first 20 miles looking at your watch making sure you're within three seconds of your pace or whatever the case is and constantly adjusting, constantly overthinking things. By the time you get to when it's really hard, there's nothing left in the tank and you cannot bear down and focus. And you've got to get to a point where you can do that. All right. So as for getting dizzy or anything like that, I get it. <clears throat> I know people, I know people that <clears throat> work for me that they just cannot run on a treadmill. I've seen them, I've seen them basically go off the back end of the treadmill. They just can't, they just can't do it. And so I'm not going to be the one to just tell you suck it up and figure it out. You know, it's, you know, it's probably not the best thing for you, right? Unless you can get that figured out. But I'm not going to just tell you that that's what you have to. You have to do it no matter what. All right. <clears throat> so as for running fast on a treadmill, yes, I understand the issues. I think 
I think that anything in the speed category or faster, I would personally require, you know, like you watch them in the labs, in those exercise phys labs where they're got those treadmills, they're basically built into the ground and there was a tether coming down from the ceiling, like a harness coming down from the ceiling. That's what I would need because I know I would fly off the back end of that thing <laughs> pretty quick. I don't trust it. I don't trust myself. And you know what else gets me? I'd have never understood this. I've never, ever understood this. Why on earth would you take a person, and I see this, I see, I see. A, I have a, a good friend from college, he owns a speed, um, he trains a lot of, for football players, track guys, whatever, um, over by me, and uh, he has a treadmill, and it's one of, the, it's one of those woodways that you know, goes 100 miles an hour, and uh, he has him speed up and then jump on the treadmill, and I see this all the time, and I'm like, why on earth would you do that? <laughs> Just hit the start button, get on the belt, and then take the speed up. I don't get why you would do that. I have never understood why you would do that. It makes zero sense to me. All right. Anyway, sorry, but it, it it's tough, right? And I would I would need one of those harnesses coming down from the ceiling. But um, so I would not tell somebody necessarily to do that. And and we're training for Boston, so we're doing a lot of hills. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second. But you should be able to, you know, you can you can work on hills and do that on the treadmill. Treadmill is a perfect spot to do hills because we're more worried about the, the hill than the speed, right? So we can we can definitely do that. But I definitely wouldn't say, if we're trying to alternate workouts that we're doing on the hill, I wouldn't go do my every speed workout and turn it into a hill workout because then you'd mess up the timing of what we're trying to do. But if you have a hill workout and it's a crappy day out, you can very easily go to do it on a, on a treadmill. Um, but the long run to me, I, I love doing long runs on the treadmill if, um, if the weather is not cooperating. I like to do it just every once in a while anyway, because um, it's the perfect opportunity to set it and forget it. Set your pace. You can build your pace up. Um, start out very easy, build it up, build it up, build it up over the course of the time. Um, and then you can really work on that uh, mental aspect of things, right? And it does it does get boring. And, and the other thing too is you can work on your fueling amazing. Because how, how many times when it's 20 degrees out and you're trying to flip your gloves off to get to a packet, a gel packet, try to open up a gel packet when it's freezing out. And then it's like a freaking, it's, you know, it's a clumpy mess in your mouth. It's, it's just a disaster, right? So doing this on a treadmill gives you an opportunity to practice with your gels, practice with your, with your fluids at the rate you want to do it, all that good stuff. And, and you can actually get the practice that you need. So again, it's one of those situations where, yeah, the running is providing the fitness. However, those little details are going to make you a better better racer, and they're going to get you more prepared for, to actually perform on on race day. So that would be the one thing. Um, tempo runs, maybe strength runs. Uh, we'll talk about it in a second, but you can use our treadmill calculator to easy manipulate easily manipulate our speed and grade to match the desired outdoor intensity. So, well, let me just talk about that. So, so we have a calculator. If you you know if you're running at a higher grade and you're running at a certain speed, your intensity is actually higher. So this basically correlates what that intensity would be into a pace, right? And so let's say you want to do a tempo run, but running, let's say your marathon pace is, you know, 7.30 a mile. And you're like, man, 7.30 miles pretty fast on the treadmill. I don't know if I could do that. Well, what would be the equivalent if I set it at 7.45 and I put the grade at whatever percent I needed to make the intensity a 730 intensity. Well, that calculator will do that, right? So you're adding just a little bit of grade 
and then you can adjust it so that the pace is a little bit slower, but the intensity is, is to what you need it. But I feel like most people can get down to tempo pace pretty okay. Strength pace might be a little bit of stretch, but once you get past more into that LT and faster, then then pace is a genuine concern for just you know feeling comfortable on on the treadmill. But uh, I will link that calculator to um, in the in the in here. All right. So next thing I want to talk about is being flexible on your workouts. Um, being flexible on your workouts it's crucial for winter training. And it, what I mean by being flexible is a number of things, right? So it can mean just switching days around to accommodate a better time to run or better weather, improving chances of better footing. Um, so let's say you have a week where you have a big marathon pace workout, but not a significant long run. If you drove out to the Metro Park, you would know the footing would be pretty solid, but it's Thursday and you don't have time for that. So I do have time for just being able to putz 90 minutes easier on my neighborhood or on my basement treadmill. And then on the weekend, I have time. I can drive out to the Metro Park. I can do my mar big marathon pace workout there, right? So being flexible in that aspect. But I'm also being flexible in what I'm doing. So I'm not, notice I didn't say, Oh, I ran my 14 mile long run. I said, no, I just did my 90 minutes, which constituted as what I would reach for long run. I'm being flexible. I know I can suffer for 90 minutes. If it's 12 miles, it's fine. If it's the 14 miles, it's fine. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about it. Um, but it can also mean going out and doing an eight mile tempo. Maybe instead of doing that eight mile tempo and you're you're really saying you're, hey, I'm gonna go out and do um, on the out on the neighborhood eight mile tempo. Probably not gonna happen. But I'm gonna do four by 15 minutes at marathon effort. Right? I'm not going to worry about the pace. The footing's not necessarily there. Uh, I'm just going to do four, to, 4 by 15, get an hour's worth of work in at effort and call it, call it a day. I can also do that on a treadmill. If I'm adjusting the speed and the grade to get that um, right intensity to match what I need for marathon effort, I'm not going to run eight miles straight up at that effort. At that effort. You know, I'm going to run eight miles straight on like a 2 or 3% grade and whatever. But I can do that. I can break it up right? and do 4 by 15 minutes because, you know, eight miles – at that intensity is not going to be, it's not going to match the time, right? And so if you just break it up, you're being flexible, you're still getting the work in, you know, it might not be the perfect situation, but it is much better than trying to either force the pace outside or force the workout outside and just, you know what, I'll get the effort in for about the same amount of time and we'll call it a day and we'll move on. All right, so last to wrap this up, other points of interest you might want to consider, scoping out workout spots. Uh, I'll use myself as an example here. So I live off of one of the busiest roads in Oakland County, Michigan. Uh, Woodward Avenue runs all the way from Pontiac to Campus Marshes at the center of downtown Detroit. Um, it was that that is the it's the first road that's going to get plowed in the winter. You know, it's 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 uh, three lanes on both sides. It's a major artery for you know buses, whatever, anything going back and forth from Detroit. It's a huge you know that's the first thing that's going to get plowed. My street is a few blocks over. And it might get, it might take days to get plowed. It might not get plowed, right? And so that's just the way it is. Sidewalks are a crapshoot, like anywhere. You know, some people are gonna, you know, like we had a lady on her, we had a lady on the corner. So the house is a, it's rent, it's been rented out. Keeps, you know, changes hands or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> the lady was just not a very nice lady. And she, I mean, it was like eleven o'clock in the morning. My neighbor and I are both out shoveling sidewalks. We go down there and shovel hers. And she's all mad that people were already walking. She's like, well, people are, people are movers around here, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, people use the sidewalks, right? Like it was like, it blew her mind that people actually use the sidewalks, whatever. All right, so um, back on point here. Uh, however, there's a small subdivision by one of the parks close by. 
Um, so this park, it's got a hill on it, people sled on it, whatever. But it's, you know, all the, I think uh, both the high schools use it for their cross country course. Pretty nice little park. But anyway, you park there, and right next to that is a little subdivision. And the subdivision, it's, it's super small. Uh, it's a K. It's a K loop around the subdivision. It's exactly a K. I use it for a lot of my work. So if you follow me on Strava, you, you you'll know what which route I'm talking about. Um, but anyway, it's a private subdivision, right? And so they pay to have it plowed themselves. Part of the HOA fees go to that. And I know they're plowed, they're plowed earlier than anything else in, in our, in our area. So I know like if it's, if it's bad and I'm going to run outside, I got to work out, I can go there. I might have to adjust the workout, right? I might do a lot of K's that, you know, like if you see me doing like 20 by one K, that's probably where I did it. And it's probably an adjusted workout to just make sure that it was the effort in over the amount of time. Right. Um, but that's, you know, that's just the way it is. And, and the thing is like around here, the Metro parks, um, you know, they're 45 minutes away. So I might not be able to get to there right away. But the nice thing is that the Metro parks are very, they're done way before everything else too. Right. So the, the bike paths are usually cleared. Uh, the roads are cleared before anything else. It's just a matter of getting out to them. Um, bike paths around us, they're gone. Like once it snows, it's gone. Right. Like you can't use that until spring. Um, it's just, you know, like between snow melting and, uh, you know, and, and then refreezing and then the snow, the, what'll happen is the snowshoers and the uh, cross country skiers will take that over, um, as soon as the snow starts falling. And so once it is like, that's their turf, that's their turf from like January to March. Right. And then you just, you just wait till the snow melts and then you're back on it. Um, second thing here is, uh, um, understand how much extra weight affects performance, right? So weight is always a touchy subject, right? You don't want to, but it's pretty well understood that the carrying of, let's say, non-muscle mass slows you down, right? So with that being said, if you're wearing a ton of extra clothes, if you're, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty common to see people wearing an extra three to five pounds of clothes in the winter um, between tights, socks, um, jackets, hats, gloves, you know, and extra shirts. That's a lot of extra. And then the more you sweat, the more that's carrying in there too. So that gets a ton of weight by the end of the time of a run is. But it's, my point is, it's an easy to, it's easy to see how adding all that extra weight is going to add five, seven, ten seconds a mile um, to your pace. So if you're doing a workout and you're like ten seconds slow, even on decent footing day, but it's cold, that's one of the factors you kind of have to look at, right? And so, um, and then it's just of course too, the cold wind chill has an effect, just like the heat has an effect. And so, um, I actually have another blog post. I won't go into that now, but it's eight ways that um, cold can affect your performance. And I'll link to that as well. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you just gotta you just gotta recognize, right? You're going to have to make some sort of adjustments if you're training in a winter, uh, a winter weather area and trying to train for Boston at the same time, because it's it's going to be very difficult to do everything exactly the way it's written without some sort of flexibility and some sort of adjustment on your part, whether that's utilizing the treadmill adjusting how the workouts are done, adjusting the timing of the workouts, a combination of those things, it's going to take some flexibility to get it done. And the thing is, if you can be flexible with that, you can still be very, very fit rolling into April, right? It's like, once you get through February, start getting to March, it's kind of like the opposite of the summer. Once you get through August and September hits, you start getting some cool days, all of a sudden your pace drops and you don't know how it dropped other than it just got 20 degrees colder in the morning. But you're now you're like, oh, I am pretty fit, right? And it's the same thing here. Like you can be struggling all winter and then, you know, March 15th is, rolls around and all of a sudden the, the sun reappears and it's, you know, 50 degrees in the morning. And all of a sudden the workouts are like, oh, 
I'm not wearing 10 pounds of clothes and my, and my pace has dropped 20 seconds, right? So, um, you know, the same type of thing. And all of a sudden you realize you're fit, but you have to be willing to be flexible and adjust over the really tough stretch over January and February so that you can get to that point in March where you realize, wow, I really am pretty fit, right? And then you have, and the comp, then you have a few weeks for that confidence to build and all of a sudden you're ready to run um, on Patriots Day. So, so with that, that's, uh, that's the part two of, our, of my little segment here. And uh, if you think you want to join us for some Boston training, we would love to have you. We are filling up some spots now. We're going to limit it this year because we're going we're gonna to be more individualized on the attention. So we are going to limit the spots, and we are filling them up as we speak. Um, you still probably have a little bit of time. I'm reporting this on October 9th. So programs doesn't, the program doesn't start until December 4th. But if you're interested and you want to sign up now, I will have those links for you. Um, and just take a look in the show notes or the, the description of the video. And uh, with that being said, thanks for listening. I will talk to you later.